Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I have loved getting questions or can you please cover this about this series when practical meets Jesus. So many of y'all have sent me in ideas or things that you're, you question or you wonder about. And one of them that has come in that we're going to add into this is what do I do in this world of dating with my child? And then the last one I believe we'll do in this series will be, what do I do with my child and social media? And what we're going to wrap up inside of that one is the whole concept of a phone, the whole concept of computer usage, the whole idea about, and that feels like that's going to be a big one to conquer. And we're going to do that next week. But for this week, we are going to tackle the question that came in, Bethany, How do you walk with your children in a culture completely focused on dating? And I think that is an incredible question because I have found it incredibly hard. I mean, that's just the truth. Walking with our kids in the culture today that is centered around relationships or centered around um, dating and who likes who is it is a hard place to walk with our kids. And so I just want to want to give, I don't know, honor there that that I think we all struggle with that. You're not alone in that. The enemy wants you to be like to believe, oh, I'm the only one struggling. All my friends have got this or they know how to do it or their kids, whatever, fill in the blank. And so I want want you to know it is hard and it's confusing. So I am going to share where we have landed. And notice the verbiage I'm using. This is where we have landed with the gospel and our teenage kids and our young adult kids and the truth and wisdom that we are seeking to message into them in a world consumed with the way you look, the way people perceive you, and who you are attached to. Because in essence, that is what that question is wrapped up in. And if we can understand that the world that we live in is consumed with our outward appearance, with the approval of man, and places our value attached to another, Then we can begin to speak into three things. And that's what we're going to break apart today. We're going to break apart. How do we walk with our teenager? And I I think this may be different than 
maybe what you've heard elsewhere, maybe not, maybe, maybe this is not unique. Um, typically when we, when Troy and I share our concepts of this, it's different. So I just want to say up front, I welcome all feedback. I would love wisdom. We have a lot of kids still yet to shepherd through this. We only have one child who is married and, um, and so I welcome all feedback, but we're going to remember our five core truths. We're going to look at those again. I want you to remember what they are because I want these to be in essence, what you think about. I want you to think about the fact when you are faced with a, I don't know what age, what age does it start when people go, who do you like? Six, eight. At what age has one of your kids come home and said, Johnny likes Susie in school? It started. So it has started. (laughs) And the first thing we want to think about is this is a child with a soul that we have been invited to shepherd alongside of God in a way and in a capacity to help them meet a Savior, right? This is a soul in need of a Savior. You and I get to shepherd That's what it is. This is who this child is. This little six-year-old with the big eyes looking at you going, Johnny likes Susie, or I like Susie too. (laughs) You know, if if it's your little boy and he goes, I like Susie, because it's conversation all of a sudden and you were not prepared for it in the first grade. I want you to understand it is the culture we live in. And so we need to become warriors who say, I am engaged on a battlefield And this is a battle. This is a space where the enemy is going to try and sink into the heart of my child with three distinct lies. And I have a soul in need of a savior in front of me. Secondly, we're going to ask God for wisdom, for his perspective. God, what does this look like long term? Where am I trying to head with this child long term? What do I want this kid to walk out of their teen years into their adult years and know? I mean, like hold fast to it is a plumb line for their soul in this concept, in a culture totally oriented in the wrong direction. What do I want them to know? God, what is your perspective? Number three, I got to choose consistency in my messaging. I'm going to consistently pivot on these principles. These are the principles. This is what I'm holding to. Four, I'm going to pray. And the way we pray is specific to the truths that we are asking God through his Holy Spirit to make clear in our children's lives. So we are anchoring again in truth in the scripture. It's going to be truth that centers around their identity, their value, their worth. We want the spirit of God to make that abundantly clear to them in supernatural ways that it becomes fruit in their life, that they're different from everyone around them. They can see differently and they can um, even identify the lies and combat it with the truth. So we we're going to pray in line with the truth and we're asking God to work in our child's life. And then the fifth thing is we are going to speak words of life. Typically in each one of these, I've said, hey, we're going to kind of hang out mostly here. I kind of, as I have framed this and worked this episode together, I think we're going to be hitting all the points 
pretty equally, and we're going to fly through this. So here we go. (laughs) First of all, there's a soul in need of a a savior. Y'all, we live in a culture, and I've already hit on it, but I want to reiterate it, that is trying to tell your child that their value, their worth is based in an identity that is linked to three things. They say that you are a soul in need of beauty, in need of worth from other people, and in need of attachment from other people. That is what the world says. That is where your value lies. We are walking with Jesus, shepherding a soul in need of a Savior, and our Savior meets all of those lies with his truth. This is God's long-term perspective here. So what is that? Well, God has already deemed your child of great value and worth outside of their outward appearance. That's that first part that culture says is very important. As we are raising our children from very, very young We want to be speaking words of life, speaking a consistent messaging and praying that they will internalize an understanding that who they are is linked to Jesus Christ. Their value and their worth is as a son or daughter of a God intimately involved in their life and that he is at work on their inward appearance, which will for eternity be what matters. Well, what does that mean, Bethany? Does that mean that my daughter who's 14 shouldn't wear makeup because she, because that would be like somehow escalating her outward appearance and making her draw boys to her? I mean, and I've heard all this and, you know, and that would be then conceding to the dating culture. No, that's not what that means at all. No. Your child has been given an outward appearance. And you get to walk with that child. And, you know, honestly, I walk with, I walk with my girls and I walk with my boys and we talk about the way they look on the outside because it's real. I mean, they look a certain way, right? And they know the way they look and they are constantly on their own, in their own flesh, going to be measuring the way they look against everybody out there. Then they live in a culture that measures the way they look against everybody else out there. Then they have an enemy who is saying you don't look as good as everybody else out there. And therefore you are not good. You are not worthy. You are not cool. You are not whatever. And so it is up to you and to me to reframe their outward appearance and their inward appearance in a way that lines up with the gospel. And so we have conversations from very young. I'm having conversations with my children about the fact that beauty on the outside is not nearly as important as beauty on the inside. And we're talking about what the spirit does inside of them as he begins to work and to move and to change their heart to be more like Christ and how when joy comes from the inside, it flows out onto a face and makes that face beautiful. And there's scripture about that. And we'll include that in show notes for you. But 
we begin to combat that with conversations long before. And then when those conversations arise, mom, why is this? Why this? Why that? Why? You know, we talk about the truth that God knew your frame. He created your frame. Your frame is not confusing to him. And and sometimes for our teenage girls, they need to understand God created their frame. The way their legs look, the way their their bodies look, the way their faces look, the way their hair grows. Like God created your frame. But it is just that. It is a frame. And then we talk about the approval of man. This is the second part of um, the lies that are going to be coming at them, which is that the way they are perceived by others places value and worth on them. And this is a gospel. This, this needs a gospel lens from the very beginning. And what I mean by that is we need to plant them deep in the assurances of who they are because of who God says they are, who they are because of what Jesus has done for them. We consistently are pivoting them back to their value and their worth being linked to a God who created them purposefully, has designed for them things and work for them to do, is calling them into relationship with him, is offering them redemption and forgiveness for their sins, is making them new, making them holy, making them part of his kingdom work here. And because of that, because of that, they are assured. Well, what does that mean practically? How does that work out practically? Well, one thing, and I will attach it in these show notes, <laughs> because I think it's this important. I will attach a list of who I am in Christ. Straight, just scripture and the tag, what it is. And it needs to be something that y'all walk through together. You see, the way we plow this ground, the way we work this through is simply repetition, returning to the truth, returning to the gospel, returning to what God says, pivoting back, consistently using that as our message point. So again, culture says our value and our worth is who likes you, what you, you know, who thinks you're cool, who wants to spend time with you, and ultimately who you're attached to. And so the very first way we combat that in conversation is we talk about, let me tell you who, who, you're, who you're really a value to. And then as the conversation goes on, and they're like, yes, but, you know, everybody else is dating, or I just want someone, so-and-so to like me, or I really think so-and-so is cute. Then we begin to introduce this secondary idea. And this is, I have talked about this in ages and stages, but I want to reintroduce it here, which is we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about wisdom and we're going to talk about purity. And purity by purity, a lot of you roll your eyes because you come out of the purity culture of like maybe the 80s. That was like 90s. I was in the 90s and just that anyway. Um, But that's not what I'm talking about. So I want you to let me give you a definition for purity that you can walk with your kids through. And inside of that, making that a concept of wisdom, which is not based on what 
mom and dad think. It's not based on what your culture thinks. It's not based about what your friends think and what everybody's doing. Wisdom comes from God alone. If you haven't heard Troy and I talk about that on the Ages and Stages series, go back and get that. It is the episodes we talk about in leading, walking with our teenagers. We talk all about and break down how do we have wisdom-based conversations with chi- with our kids. So that is what we're going to be doing. And I want to leave that there. You can go back and catch that episode. But inside of that, that question, what is wise, we are creating the conversation of what is wise in purity. And so purity is a threefold entity for our kids. It Purity is a threefold entity for you and for me. So this is family-wise should be our culture. What is purity? And so purity has three things, right? Purity is emotionally, we're going to be pure. We're physically going to be pure. And we're spiritually going to be pure. Three things. So when any of those, it's like a three-pronged stool. When any of those get out of whack, the stool would fall over right? You can't sit on a a two-legged stool very well. You need all three. So the first one is emotional purity. The the truth is, y'all, this is the culture of dating that we see in the elementary ages. So this is where we are talking about this even. This is when your daughter or your son comes home and says, Johnny really likes Susie and I don't know who I like. And, and you re- begin to realize this is a conversation that's happening in the classroom or this is happening on the playground or it's happening, I don't know, wherever you are, kids begin to have this conversation. Who do I like? Who should I like? So-and-so likes so-and-so. They're going together. There's nothing really happening. There's seven and they're eight. But there is emotional impurity happening. And what do I mean by that? I mean, it is a wooing to oneself of another person's heart before there can be any action about it. So if I'm eight years old telling this other little eight-year-old, I really, really like you. You're really pretty. You're really great. My goal in that, as, as innocent as it is, as much as that child doesn't understand, is a natural tendency of us to want to pull somebody else towards us. It's just what we do. And now we're beginning to have these conversations among little, you know, everybody's doing it and everybody wants to do it. And so what we begin to talk about with our kids, even at this age, is I know, I know that you think they're cute or they're, you know, pretty or, but we are going to treat everybody as friends. And we're going to care for everybody the same. And we're not going to try and win somebody's heart right now. So that's a little talk, right? But emotional impurity becomes a deal as you begin to move up into the upper years. Because this is when you begin to see this breaking up and getting together and breaking up and getting together. And we're, even if nothing else happens, we're emotionally tagging people with our hearts all over the place. And so we talk about that. And why would we be why would we be motivated to do that? What are we seeking when we are constantly needing to know that we are super important to one person at a young age? These are the conversa- conversations. I want to be very clear. 
I am not, we are not sitting here saying your child cannot date. That is, that is not what I am positioning here. But I am saying you need to have these conversations. If your child really likes somebody, this is the conversation of emotionally, how are you going to be pure so that your heart is not absolutely destroyed because you've given so much away emotionally. You've shared all your dreams, all your big important ideas, all your heart things with this person. And six months later, they're not interested in you anymore. That is emotionally gut-wrenching. And so if our child And the way Troy and I approach this is if our child really wants to be walking with this, you know, knowing somebody, getting to know somebody, going on a date, doing, spending time with this other person, this is the conversation we're going to be having. Is emotionally, what guardrails do we need to put up for you to be pure? So that you can have a good time, you can enjoy a friend, you can have even a friend that you like to spend more time with than other friends. But it is emotionally pure where you have not given all of yourself to this person. And then we talk about purity in terms of physical purity. This is the one that everybody wants to tag out as a purity conversation. And I'm going to tell you that our spin on this is this. This is simply our sentence and we believe it has had great value and has really stopped a lot of You know, this is the conversation we consistently have with our children. Physically, until that person becomes your husband or your wife, they belong to someone else. Right? So any daughter belongs to her family. Any son belongs to his family. You belong to this family. And until you give yourself to that person at the altar, they do not belong to you. So the physical engagement for purity's sake that you should be doing should be such that you could walk that person one day down the aisle to whoever they were supposed to marry and rightfully give them away. So when that becomes the conversation in the standard bearer, there's a lot of things all of a sudden that I, you know, my children are like, oh, well, then I'm. You know, it changes their perspective. It is the begin. This is again, this is just a conversation where you're trying to have this conversation with them to engage wisdom and discernment and wisdom and discernment are not based on what you and I believe. They're not. They're based on what God says. It's not based on even what our culture says. So it's not based on, well, all my friends um, do this, this and this. So that's fine, mom. No. What, what does, what is the wise thing for you to be doing in this relationship? And these are the conversations that we have. We have them tenderly. We do not have them where we are inflicting our opinions and our attitudes. We are having these conversations with children who are merging into the adult years and we want to grow wisdom inside of them. Going back to that episode in ages and stages. And this is how we have wise conversations. We say, well, what is pure for you right now. And what is pure looks a lot different than what the world is going to say purity looks like. And we're going to encourage you to walk in a way that would truly be physically pure. Well, then you have the third 
leg of the stool, and that is spiritual purity. This one, to me, might be the biggest deal. Because for most of our kids, if you're having a child who's growing up inside of a home and their heart is turned towards Christ and they are wanting to follow him, then this one gets super muddy, which is spiritually, you're not one, right? You're not married. You're just in this dating culture. You like each other. And so what begins to happen, though, is there's this, well, we should pray together. I should tell you all of the spiritual things I'm learning. I should unpack my entire spiritual self to you. And what we challenge our children is that really is not spiritual purity. So again, we're, we're talking with them and we're saying, how can I help you walk in a way that is wise Spiritually, what should you be doing that would be wise here? Is it wise for you to be praying deeply with one another? And again, you know, there are ages where this begins to kick in and that can tie hearts together and lead to emotionally a deeper tie than maybe should be happening. And, and so again, we want to have conversations with them. How are you doing physically with this person that you're spending time with? Where are you in terms of purity? Have you crossed the line? Are you, are you doing things you should not do? What are the parameters you're setting up? How does that look? How can we walk with you in that? How can we begin to help you institute and listen to their hearts? And you're listening to hear them speak wisely. You're trying to pull that out of them. You're trying to birth that inside of them through conversations. And it's a three prong attack. How are you doing spiritually with that person? Is it a struggle? Do you find that y'all are on the same spiritual page? Do you find that you are not? How are you doing emotionally? How much are you giving to that person? And part of the giving emotionally is just the giving of time. You know, the amount of time our children spend engaged, especially like in texts and those kinds of things with another, tie their hearts to that person. And so we want to be aware, understanding it and having conversations about it. Not from the place of, I don't think you should be texting that boy so much. That's not going to help anything and it doesn't grow wisdom inside of that child. The question becomes, tell me about how, you know, let's look at your phone. How much time are you spending texting him? What do you think texting a boy, and you know how they do, y'all. They will like, what you doing? Nothing. What you doing? Nothing. And they'll literally spend three hours doing, like, it's not even a conversation. And they don't talk on the phone. They just text. (laughs) Okay, but what they're doing is they're, in essence, giving time to the other person. And that giving of time is an emotional tie. And so you want to have this conversation that says, tell me about that. What do you see about that? What would happen if you chose not to spend all that time with that person texting back and forth? What would they think? How would you feel? Because what you want to help them begin to look inward and understand is, am I believing my value comes from my attachment to this other person? Or am I free to engage with this, with this other person, but also be wise and not 
be completely beholden to this person and instead understand I can detach. I can go about my day. I can check back in. I can see them tomorrow. I can have a phone conversation with them quickly and and be done. Like we want to help them understand and look at themselves wisely in light of a culture that says your entire value is based on who likes you, how you look, and who's attached to you. And so we want to engage this culture. We do not, and it, I, this is the end, maybe I should have said at the beginning, We, I, I want to just implore you, do not engage with the chip on your shoulder. Do not engage with great questions. Tell me about, what do you think about? How does this look? What would this look like? This is a great one. This is one we use a lot with a lot of success. What would this look like if mom were doing this with someone else since we're married? And of course, my children are like, oh my gosh, that would be horrible. Like you can't do that. Well, then that might be a sign that it's more impure than you think, despite the fact that your culture says it's not impure. Because your culture is going to argue none of that's impure because our culture right now says anything goes. But we want to be men and women who are wise, who are discerning, who understand our value, and who are pursuing the one who says, you are full of value, follow me. And then the last part of this, the speaking words of life, is there are going to be lots of moments where this doesn't go your way, where your children don't make good choices. They don't do things the way you would have done. And we talked about this in the last episode about when our kids disappoint us. But your job, your great honor is in that moment, yes, to speak truth, but to speak it full of the grace and the mercy that the Savior offers to them. We point to a Savior who calls them to repentance, and grace and mercy cover. The cross happened so that we could experience it, no matter how unwise one of us has been. And our privilege as parents is to walk them into the throne room, and it's the throne room of grace, as it says in Hebrews, and present requests, and lay down burdens, and help walk beside them. This is not an easy task. It's crazy hard. And everywhere around you is compromise. And so we are seeking to engage the heart of our child in such a way that they continually place their heart in our hand. Because we are not going to crush it. And instead, we're going to tenderly hold it. Understand that we have a soul in need of a Savior And how do we begin to have this conversation and how do we begin to walk this conversation through to the end so that one day that child can walk down the aisle and know confidently that they have chosen to be wise. So again, this one is a hard one because there are so many nuances And there are so many ways for my words to be taken out of context or things to be misunderstood. And I recognize that. 
I want you to understand that I humbly just tell you, this is where the Kimseys have landed. We walk with our children inside of a dating culture, speaking to them of their value and their worth. And we are walking them in wisdom, talking about purity. That is our goal. And purity is a three-prong attack. I welcome you. Please let me know your questions and know that this is the battle. And you are a warrior who gets to pray mightily for your kids here, that the gospel will be true to them, that they will stand in their identity, that they will hear the Holy Spirit say, that is not wise. Do not walk that way. And that they will be bold enough to choose a different path and that they will be absolutely aware and know the grace and the mercy that is offered to them for every time they take a step off the path, just like we do. We are all impure in different ways. We are all unwise in different opportunities. We all desperately need a savior. Again, if you would like the download about who you are in Christ to study and to walk through with your child, you can easily grab that in the show notes. Infusing these truths into the hearts of our children is our greatest honor. And so thank you for sitting with me today as we kind of work this one out together. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to BethanyKimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.